In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you knew that you had one last evening to spend with those you dearly love, what would you want to say to them? What would you want them to remember more than anything else? Jesus knew his time had come. He needed to prepare his disciples for his physical departure from earth. He knew they still did not totally understand, nor were they totally prepared for the work that lay ahead of them. How could they be? For they had not witnessed the cross, nor the resurrection, or known the indwelling Holy Spirit. They were still self-focused. Jesus knew it was crucial for him to change change that focus onto the needs of others. What they needed was to be shown how to truly love. They needed to perceive the full extent of his and the Father's love for them. What sign of this love could Jesus give to them that they would never forget? Imagine... Jesus and the twelve are in the upper room, eating their last supper together before the crucifixion. They are reclining at a low table on pillows that allow for intimate conversation. Jesus loves his disciples deeply, not with the warm, fuzzy feeling that we often call love. He loves them with a love that requires an outpouring of his innermost self a love that could only be fully disclosed on the cross. They are dusty, hungry and tired after a long day of ministry, and they are puzzled and frightened of Jesus' forecast of his going away. The atmosphere is charged with anticipation that Jesus has something crucial to explain. When unexpectedly, Jesus gets up from the meal that is underway. He lays down his outer clothing, leaving himself with only his tunic, a short garment like an undershirt that slaves wore to serve a meal, and wraps a linen towel around his waist. All eyes are immediately upon him and their conversations stop as he pours water into a basin and begins to wash his disciples' feet and dry them with his towel. Jesus is down on his knees, removing their sandals and washing between the toes of their feet. Their feet, perhaps the most unappealing part of the human body, Can you hear what is happening? The gasp of the disciples, perhaps their nervous laughter. Oh, my Lord. Perhaps they're thinking, this is awkward. 
the water splashing into the basin, the swishing of the water as Jesus cups it into his hands and applies it to their dusty feet. Here is the Son of God, the Word become flesh, washing their dirty feet, soothing them, comforting them, their Lord and teacher washing their feet. They are embarrassed and ashamed. They had neglected to offer to wash their master's feet. Why hadn't any of them offered this important gesture of hospitality to their master and fellow disciples? Were they still focused on who among them was the greatest, hesitant to stoop to such a menial task, too prideful to take an inferior position? What do you say to God's beloved son on his knees before you? Well, we know what one disciple said. Peter speaks up as he so often does. Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replies, you do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. This is not enough explanation for Peter. You will never wash my feet. For Peter, Jesus should not so humiliate himself. Foot washing was a servant's task and not something to be done by the master. Hebrew slaves were not even required to do it. But on the other hand, foot washing was something wives did for husbands, children for their parents, and disciples for their beloved teachers. A level of intimacy and love was involved. It was unlike when Gentile slaves did the washing. But for Peter, one so high should never put himself in a lower position. Perhaps Peter also knows how unworthy he is, his doubts and fears, his weaknesses, his sin. Yet in response to Peter's rejection, Jesus says cryptically, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. The Greek word for part can be used of one's share in an inheritance. If Peter is to have a share in Jesus' ministry and the eternal life that comes from faith in him, then he must be washed by Jesus. Peter must be willing to receive what Jesus is doing. He needs Jesus' self-giving love for him now and in what is coming on the cross Since Peter's greatest desire is to be close to Jesus, in typical Peter style, he responds, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head. Again, we see Peter's love for the Lord, but there is still a strong element of self. He is not simply receiving with humility what the Lord is saying and doing. 
He has not discovered the depths of his own brokenness and selfishness and thus does not have a solid understanding of his need for Jesus' continual cleansing. His later denial of Jesus will tear down his pride and clear the way for the genuine humility that is necessary for a relationship with Christ. Jesus even washes Judas' feet. As Jesus tenderly and humbly washed their feet, the disciples must have tangibly felt his immense love for them. And this memory must have become a source of strength throughout the remainder of their lives. Yet Jesus is not through with his lesson. After Jesus finishes washing their feet, he asks, Do you understand what I have done for you? Can you imagine their nods with their eyes wide open? They can at least grasp the foot washing as an example of astonishing humility. While they are still reeling from embarrassment, Jesus spells out the implications of what he has done for them and for us. If he, as our teacher and Lord, washes our feet, we too are to wash one another's feet. He spells it out very clearly. You also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. What does our Lord's example mean to us? There are two dimensions to Jesus' very truly command. The first is how we are to treat our brothers and sisters in the church. The focus here is not on what Jesus does. It is as he does. Like Jesus we are to care for one another's most mundane concerns. We are to comfort and tenderly care for one another, putting each other's interests before our own interests. Jesus is talking about our attitude. He shows us that pride, which is self-love, should not have a place with us. Jesus, the King of all kings, is full of humility, exemplifying the very essence of the Father's heart. This is what God himself is like. He washes feet, even the feet of one who will betray him. We are called to be servants. The model of Christ's ministry, we are most likely to neglect. The second dimension becomes clearer in Jesus' new commandment. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Jesus reminds us of our call to be a light to the nations, 
We are messengers sent by Christ to proclaim the good news by our love. We must ask ourselves, do our words and deeds capture the attention of non-believers in the way Jesus would want? Finally, as to these two dimensions, Jesus tells us, if we know these things, we will be blessed if we do them. What? We will be blessed if we assume the position of a servant? This is certainly not what the world tells us, where pride and selfishness are often rewarded. Yet Jesus is telling us that it is through service that our Father will bless us. Jesus said that when a person lives merely to preserve his life, he eventually loses it altogether. Give your life away and discover life as it was always meant to be. Service is the way to blessing. Remember, God loves to give grace to the humble. So, on Monday, Thursday, what did Jesus want his disciples to remember more than anything else? It is how to truly love. Love that springs from gratitude to the Father for the gift of his Son, who cleanses us from all sin. Love that is not afraid to assume an inferior position. Love that enables us to put aside our self-interests for the benefit of others. How will you follow Jesus' example of self-sacrificing love? Amen. So how will you? How will you follow Jesus' example? I hope that you will take that question home tonight.